This is the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast, hosted by Justin Poulin. Tune in every month as we speak with industry experts to highlight success stories and solutions from the field that advance the healthcare supply chain. And now, Justin Poulin with this month's expert. This is Justin Poulin from Power Supply live at Arm 23 in Orlando. Now we are speaking with Don Watkins, Director of Strategic Sourcing at UF Health Shands. And we're going to be talking about credit holds, everyone. And we're going to break it down into the anatomy of credit holds. Don, thank you so much for joining me here at Arm in Orlando. Thank you. And welcome to Florida. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely the time of year when like Floridians go a little bit north, right? And me growing up in like the New England area, now living in Pennsylvania, I actually really love coming down to the heat. I love humidity and the temperature is beautiful. Although I would say a lot of people are like, oh, I love coming in, in January and February. I love it just as much in August. It's great. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you as well to talk about credit holds. When I think about credit holds, I think about paying our supply partners, and it's a universal concept, right? I like to get paid. Do you like to get paid? <laughs> yeah. I, think we, I think we all like to get right. paid. Right. So whether that's in our employment or in rendering products and services, certainly payment is an important part of what we do. And as interest rates increase and bottom lines decrease, suppliers are taking a closer look at their accounts receivable. And so with that, we're also seeing that suppliers are taking on more risk, and this may result in higher risk of credit holds. And small suppliers, those that we look to partner with in our local communities, might even be at a higher risk. And so it's something that I think is important as we're looking at our supply chains that we pay close attention to. Yeah, I feel like what you just said about smaller suppliers, especially the ones that exist in our immediate communities, I mean, that really does have an impact on the community itself. And, you know, we think about that a lot of times in the context of the impact on the community as it relates to the care that we're providing, like the clinical delivery care. But you're right. Like there are a lot of companies that are local and small businesses in those communities that are doing business with us. And that has an impact on, you know, our entire community where we live. It does. And so if you pay attention in the news, the Fed just increased rates again on July 26th. We're now at a 22-year high. And so there's also speculation from numerous sources that we're not done yet. And so with that, the cost of carrying, you know, cash, if you will, and cash flow, it's even higher now than it's been in that 22-year span. So it's hitting those small businesses even more than corporate entities. But universally, all suppliers are looking at accounts receivable. And from a supply chain standpoint, We need to make sure that we're making our terms, we're meeting our terms, our payment terms that we've agreed to for those products and services, and that we have open lines of communication. And so there are a couple of strategies when we look at partnering with our suppliers. I think open communication is critical. And so we're seeing more decisions are also being made by AI and algorithms. And so finding out who the person or persons are that are making decisions or overseeing those decisions, understanding the parameters and the risk assessment, because it varies so much by supplier. Now, I will take a step back and say, from a supplier perspective, 
we vary too as healthcare providers, right? So there's a lot of variation in practice. There's not a one-size-fits-all solution, which makes the job even more challenging. And that's where it's so important to find that counterpart that you can partner with and that you can communicate with so that when things do go unexpectedly wrong, you have that channel of communication open and you're able to build confidence for the supplier on your team. You know, just going back to that smaller supplier in the community too, like if they're doing a really good job for you, in many cases, they can get cash poor, right? Depending on what their you know line of business is. And especially with the carrying costs, like you said, and the interest rates going up, you know, that they can often become victims of their own success just because what we're talking about is cash flow. Absolutely. And, and so they are more likely to put a credit hold on if they start to see that they are in, you know, that kind of dangerous territory. But it's not just small companies, is it? It's not. It's all companies of all sizes. And I think, too, we continue to see mergers and acquisitions, both on the healthcare side for providers, you know, certainly as we acquire hospitals and clinics, but also for our suppliers. And that also has an impact on how we structure accounts and credit limits. So again, just that open communication to make sure that we understand on both sides how that impacts our credit limit and how that impacts our ability to ensure that our account is in good standing. What are some good strategies for dealing, you know, with credit holds? And really, I think it's that partnership with the suppliers that you're talking about. I mean, there's lots of different reasons that the credit holds are happening. And I think you laid that out there. And it's definitely more important now than ever because the trending is showing us that. But honestly, partnerships with suppliers has always been critical to our business. It's just we're under more pressure under unique circumstances today. Absolutely. I think first and foremost, you have to educate yourself as a supply chain professional how your organization works. This is not an area that you can afford to say, that's not my job. You can't pass the buck to finance or accounts payable. You also need to, after you educate yourself, educate the supplier on how to do business with your organization. And that's beyond just signing the contract, right? What happens after that? Specifically around the remittance process, simplifying contracts, especially around purchase services, so that it's very clear how they are to proceed with authorizing payment and then also submitting invoices for payment. In addition to that, I think there also is this partnership with your finance colleagues as well to make sure that there's a good understanding from that standpoint as well. Everyone can learn from each other in terms of our part that we contribute to the overall process. I feel like, you know, that education piece is is really critical just because it's who has direct contact with who is actually initiating whatever is going to cause you know, the invoice to happen, right? And when I left nursing and went into a position with a supplier, I remember it was a very, it was a service organization and there would be like several days, maybe a week, definitely a month where we would submit invoices. And my request for the PO would always be packaged in a certain way that was really consistent so that I knew that I could get that PO quickly and initiate that process. But, you know, it wasn't like I was talking to, you know, accounts payable. I was talking to the buyer and that's who was educating me. At the same time, one thing that you described to me as we were getting ready for this is 
there's a lot more AI and algorithms coming in, which I think is why you're saying it's that even that much more critical that where we have some of those face-to-face relationships that we leverage that opportunity to sort of be a guide and, and educate people on the process so that your suppliers don't inadvertently put you on a credit hold, even if you know, everything seems to be humming along like it's normal and everything's good. Such an excellent point. And I've seen examples where computers make mistakes too. And so having that human contact, that person you can reach out to, to resolve an issue is so important. Yeah. And people don't change behavior. Usually. I mean, if any, we've done a lot of change management in this industry. If anybody understands change management, it's very rarely a computer's AI algorithm or the rejection of payment or anything like that that really changes anybody's behavior, right? What changes behavior is, you know, those relationships and our ability to work together that way. How do you build confidence for the supplier with your team? How do you kind of bridge that in the way that you work with them? You know, I think in general, building confidence has some universal application, follow through, open communication, transparency, those are key. And in terms of the information that you share with the supplier, helping them walk through the process and getting the information that they need, the proof is in the pudding. So I think with that follow through and with that information and when they see a successful outcome, that builds confidence. I also think, you know, contracts can get really complex, right? How do you sort of make it easy on everybody? You know, there's not an easy button. And certainly we want to meet the needs of all of our customers, both internally and externally. But a lot of times what we're doing is we're looking into the future with both the customer and the supplier to understand what does this activity look like and what you know, even if it's looking at a sample invoice, what is that future payment going to look like? And to really think through, I had a meeting earlier today and we were talking about a KPI-based penalty and or incentive payment and really getting into those details and understanding those scenarios of what would trigger either of those events down to the survey questions that would be asked and who was going to be responding to the surveys. So although it's a lot of detailed information and a lot of preparation, it ends up saving a lot of time and quite frankly, making sure that expectations are crystal clear up front. So I said earlier that you know, as as a supplier, I'm, I'm, or I should say, as the vendor representative who's working with the buyers and 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 having that day to day contact with the organization, I was never going to talk to you know accounts payable. However, I would say even between finance and supply chain, it, you may not always talk very often either. Um, do you feel like there's a best practice in here for engaging internally in the healthcare organization with finance to also not only educate your supplier partners, but educate yourself on the process? Because I'm sure there's some blind spots there. Yes. And again, everybody brings value to the table. So I think just working together, identifying who those key stakeholders are, making sure that you have a professional rapport with those individuals so that when issues arise, you know who to go to. But also working together to proactively assess your risk and action plan accordingly. 
periodically requesting statements from strategic suppliers. So when you're asking for a statement from a supplier, what you're really doing is you're fact-checking your system. You're saying, does my system, which is my source of truth, my ERP, if you will, does it reflect what the supplier shows? And it either does, and that's a vote of confidence that everything's working well, or it doesn't, and you have to address the gap. And then paying attention to exceptions and managing by exception. I think we're all pressed for time, and so the thought that we're going to methodically audit every transaction, obviously that's not going to happen, but building rules within your system so that you have tolerance levels that are acceptable, but you're highlighting those that absolutely need your attention, and then managing by exception, I think, is is really a, a good use of your time, where, like any any other practice, you are operating more at the top of your license, if you will. I will say that that concept of managing by exception, this is the third conversation at least that I've had with these podcast interviews where that's come up. And yet this is another separate context for that. And do you feel like strategically just supply chain in general is making a move towards sort of trusting technology in a way, or maybe it's utilizing technology to get us more and more to actually be managing by exception? I don't know that we have a choice, but I do think we're moving that way. And I think it's because of necessity. So you're absolutely right. In between automating and educating to utilize the technology that we already have, but also expanding into areas where we haven't tapped into is going to be crucial for our success. Don, this was an amazing interview. Is there anything we're missing? Anything you want to add before we wrap up? Well, we've talked a lot about communication. And of course, you know, this isn't always seen as a supply chain issue. And I Mm. recognize that. I, I really do. But what I'll close on is that there's many challenges, right, to obtaining supplies, you know, in a timely manner. Don't let a credit hold be one of them. Don Watkins, Director of Strategic Sourcing at UF Health Shands. Thank you so much for joining us on the ARM SME podcast here in Orlando at ARM 23. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ARM Subject Matter Expert Podcast. For additional resources, visit our website at arm.org. That's A-H-R-M-M dot org. Tune in next month for another edition of the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast.